Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. You are listening to Calvary Live. This is the call-in radio show where you can call with your questions about the Bible, uh, about church, about God, questions uh, that you may have about other religions or cults or anything along those lines. Uh, also, if you have prayer requests, we would love, love, love to pray for you and um, to uh, just come together before the Lord for you as well. Um, you can tune in on gracefm.com. You can tune in uh, on your radio station, local radio station. And we're so glad to be here with you today. Uh, if you'd like to call in with one of your questions, you can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number to call with a question or a prayer request is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897 is the text line. Would love to chat with you today. My name is Nate Morris, and I am the lead pastor at Mountain Life Calvary Chapel, which is in uh, the area of Vail, Colorado. And um, looking out the window right here, watching the river flow by, it's a beautiful day up here. I uh, don't know how it is where you are, but I'm just blessed to be with you today. You know, I used to host this show every Monday for uh, a while, and I haven't done it in quite a while actually now. Um, just kind of where I live now, it's just been a different season for me. So I'm excited to be able to be with you today and would love to answer any uh, questions that you may have about any of this stuff. So um, I was just, you know, kind of doing a personal study this morning and just thinking through what our world is going through right now. It's a crazy season, right? I mean, I was thinking about, you know, the other day, what what does 2020 seem like to me, the year 2020? And if you think about this year, 2020, and what it feels like, it feels kind of like if you walked up to a crosswalk, right? And you look both ways to make sure that there's no cars coming, you know, you don't want to get hit by a car, and you step out into the crosswalk, and the minute you step out, you get hit by an airplane, right? Do you ever feel like that? That's what it feels like to me right now. It's like, what in the world is going on this year? The whole world has been impacted uh, in more ways than one. You know, it started off with uh, coronavirus, you know, and just the worldwide impact of that and um, the, all the craziness that's going on, you know, in the world with that. And then, and then we hear of murder hornets, right? Like, what is that? Really? <laughs> okay. God created something called murder hornets. Do we really? I think that might be a, 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 um, a product of the fall, honestly. And then, you know, then, of course, the, the really sad situation with um, George Floyd, 
um, and everything that goes along with that. And then the, 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 the falling out that's happened since then with protests, um, which I think is perfectly you know, valid to do, but then also the, to the extent of riots, which has um, you know, caused damage and cost lives at this point. Uh, 2020 has been a crazy, crazy year. And I know that all of us have so many strong feelings about this. Um, you know, uh, so many strong feelings about what we're going through, it, Christians and non-Christians alike. There's this, these issues that we're facing this year have divided us in ways that we have not been divided before. You know, the, the whole coronavirus thing, I see people on five different sides of this issue, all frustrated and angry about it and really just praying about like, what does this look like? to be a Christian in this season? What does it look like to honor God in this season? And God put Ephesians 4, 29 on my heart for this season. And I think this applies for in-person, but I think especially since most of us are still practicing some form of social distancing, it applies even more online. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And really the word corrupt means like corrupting, like tearing down. Let no words that tear down proceed out of your mouth. But what is good for necessary edification, which edification means to build up. So he's saying, don't let any words that tear down come out of your mouth. Let words that build up come out of your mouth, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Grace to the hearers. No tearing down. Let's build up and impart grace to those who are listening. And see, that's what our talk as believers should be. When we're interacting with people, whether it's online or in person or whatever forum we're in, we should not be letting words come out of our mouth that are tearing people down. And what we should be saying should be building people up and encouraging them towards the Lord and imparting grace to the hearers, right? Seasoned with the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. Um, that's just what God's been stirring in my heart for this season. It's such a, a, a crazy season. So many questions, so many fears, so many opinions. And God's people should be standing, not tearing down, but building up. And so I hope that's an encouragement for you today. And I hope that God um, speaks to you through that today as well. And I, I know it's really easy online to go on Facebook and to vent and just to post your opinion all over the place and say, you know, this is what I think and this is what you should think and all of those things. But really, are we seasoning our conversation with grace and with love? And are we building up rather than tearing down? And are we imparting grace to the hearers? So, um, yeah, if you have questions about that, if you'd like to talk about that, I'd love to chat with you. If you, you know, maybe you disagree with me on some level and you have some biblical backing for that, let's talk about that. I'm open to discussion, um, but I think that th this time is a unique time that we're in. So if you want to call in today, I want to give you those numbers again. If you'd like to call in with a question, you can call us at 303-690-3000. Or maybe you want to call and say, hey, I disagree with you, Pastor Nate. I think it's a different different way. 303-690-3000. Or you can text at 720-336-0897. Once again, those numbers are 303-690-3000 to call, 720-336-0897 to text in. Okay, so we've got a text that, uh, that came into the text line, and that is this. I've uh, been trying to get this answered. Will the Antichrist know he's the Antichrist? Like even from his teen years, will he know his purpose before it comes to fruition? Um, and, you know, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I can give you a definitive answer on that. Um, 
I think that the the Antichrist is, you know, led and under the sway of Satan. Absolutely. Um, will he know that all the way? I'm not really sure. I couldn't tell you. You know, he he could just be growing up as a child and and unaware. I think at some point he will recognize his role. You know, um, but but I, from what I understand in Scripture. I have not seen anything that leads me to believe that he's going to know that in advance. Right now, he might, he very well might, and he's going to rise up against the people of God, and he's going to proclaim himself to be God, right? Setting himself up in the temple and all of those things that we see throughout the scriptures. Um, but I don't see any evidence that says that he will know his purpose and be trying to fulfill the purpose of being the Antichrist. But it, he might, you know, it's all speculation uh, from what I understand of the scriptures at this point with that. Um, but that's a great question, you know. I mean, the Antichrist could be among us right now, and he could be growing up. He could be a, an adult right now. Uh, we don't really know um, until we start to see those signs come to pass. But really, the, the next thing that's going to happen on the prophetic calendar is the rapture of the church, right? And so um, I think we see signs of the times. I think we see that there are people, you know, that are antichrists, like John said, like John the Apostle, that even as now there are many antichrists, but the the man, the one who will oppose um, God and the one who will set himself up as God in the temple, um, I, 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 I'm not really sure. We don't really know. So that's a curious question, though. I'd be, I'd be curious to see and to know if he's aware of his role or if he's just a puppet. So once again, want to give you guys the numbers to call us and to um, call in with any questions you may have, any uh, conversations you would like to have. Uh, that phone number to call in is 303-690-3000. Once again, the phone number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, you can text seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Got a light start to the program today. Would love to chat with you, Pastor Nate Morris here from Mountain Life Calvary Chapel, up near Vail, Colorado, and um, you know, just uh, excited to be on the line with you guys today. It's been a while since I've hosted the show. Uh, as I said before, I, I hosted you know weekly. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, it was, you know, probably three years ago now, I had the Monday spot hosting every week and I uh, really enjoyed the program, but God called my family and I to move to the Vail area um, to pastor a church up here that was called Calvary Chapel Vail Valley. And uh, we moved here as my former pastor from this church moved to California to take over uh, Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara for David Guzik. And so it's kind of a musical uh, chairs, really musical churches of pastors shuffling, you know. And so we moved here to the Vale area and got settled in. And as we did, I just felt like doing the show regularly was a little bit much on my plate, especially since we don't get Grace FM here. Uh, it all has to be online. So, But I'm blessed to be able to host occasionally again and to be with you guys when I can on days like today. Um, this year's been an interesting year, right? So we started off in January, and as a church, we had big plans and big dreams and big vision, and all of those things are still in play. But, you know, we, we launched our first satellite campus 
uh, in January. It's in the Roaring Fork Valley near Carbondale and Aspen. We're in the Vale Valley, so we're about an hour from there. And God has opened the doors for us as a church to reach out beyond our little community here and to minister in some other communities. And so we, we have this vision to reach these other communities with extension campuses of our church. And so the first one launched three weeks before we got shut down for coronavirus, <laughs> right? Which is just crazy. But, you know, praise God, he's faithful. We started um, in Carbondale um, in, you know, back in uh, February and launched and had a good group there, a good team of leaders and a solid little church gathering that was happening in Carbondale for a few weeks. And then suddenly the whole state shut down, right? And we um, all moved to moved away from in-person gatherings to online gatherings for church. And so, you know, it's a unique season, right? And we were all in this together in some form, uh, facing just the challenges that come with it. Um, but it's a blessing that we can still use the technology that we have today to, to gather and to, to bless uh, each other and to, to meet together as the church. So I'm excited to be church with you guys today. So, um, once again, if you'd like to call us today, I've got a couple text questions that come in um, and would love to chat with you on the line as well. But if you'd like to call with a question today, the phone number is 303-690-3000. Once again, the phone number to call is 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text number is 720-336-0897. Nine seven or call us at three zero three six nine zero three thousand, and so um, we've got a caller on line one, Sandra from Pennsylvania. Um, Sandra, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm I'm great, thank you. Absolutely. Okay, do I need to restate my question? Yeah. What? what yeah. Share your question with us for the for the audience today. The question is: How is a believer to understand when Scripture says that? Uh, that the Lord, that, that the unforgivable sin is denying the existence of the Holy Spirit. And so um, how are we to understand that when we also believe that the Lord forgives sin? So um, is, that, is that a permanent thing or at the point that someone disbelieves that they cannot request forgiveness for sin, but if they later say that they do believe, so does that then become wipe from their record and they didn't become a believer. How are we to understand that? Because that's confusing for me. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, and you know, this is, it's a confusing section of scripture, honestly, for many people. And unfortunately, many false doctrines have come from this section of scripture as well. Um, because people take this and then they think that it's saying something that it's not. And um, that's a, it's a sad thing because it's, it's it's really a pretty clear-cut case of what's actually going on. Um, <clears throat> and so, you know, when you see this section in Scripture, and it's Matthew chapter 12 um, that you're talking about, and it's, you know, it's what's called the the unforgivable sin or the eternal sin. Um, and if, if our listeners would like to look at that later, you can read for context Matthew chapter 12, like verse 22 through like 32. It's probably a good range for it. And basically, um, Jesus is talking to a group in this section, and he's saying, you know, a house divided can't stand. This is the Pharisees. They just, you know, told him um, that he's casting out demons by the power of Satan. That's what he's saying to Jesus. 
uh, that's what the, the Pharisees are saying there in this instance. And he says, hey, you, you know, a, a house divided against itself can't stand. Uh, uh, every kingdom that's that does that is brought to desolation. So if I'm casting out demons by Satan, then, you know, who are you casting them out by? And uh, he kind of goes into this whole picture here. And that's the context of what we're talking about. And then when you get to um, verse 31 of Matthew chapter 12, Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be get forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. And that's the, that's the section that you're talking about. Is that right? Right. Okay, yeah. Absolutely. So, so the context here is the, the Pharisees are telling Jesus that the work he's doing is being done by the power of Satan. That's what's going on. And so when he's saying this, it's in this context that he's speaking. And um, he's, not, he's not saying literally that if we say something against the Holy Spirit, if I say, you know, a bad word against the Holy Spirit, that that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and that then I can't be saved. That's not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying is literally to them, he's saying they're attributing the work of the Holy Spirit to the enemy, to Satan. And that is something that is a totally anti-God, right? That is something that is attributing God's work to the enemy and basically rejecting the work of God in their lives. And when you see that, that, that term, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, my personal belief is this. Now, there's, there's various opinions on this, and several of them, I would say, are biblically valid opinions. But my personal belief is that he's saying that when you fully and finally reject the Holy Spirit in your life, and you don't let him have his way with you, and you don't you don't put your faith in Jesus. That there's no forgiveness left. There's no there's no way for you to be forgiven because the way for you to be forgiven was through Jesus Christ. And it, it's not necessarily that I said something wrong or I did something wrong. Basically, what he's saying is like the only unforgivable sin is completely resisting God um, and saying I, I don't want any of that. And um, I, you asked a question about, you know, like, is that once and done? Is that kind of what you were saying? Like, if, if somebody were to do this, are they unable to be saved in the future? Is that what you were saying? Right, because the way that you just explained it, um, it and, and it helps me better understand that we can't always use what was said at that time based on the context to always mean that it's applicable to today. So he was given that response based on who he and what he was dealing with at that time. So yeah, if we were to look at it today, then I think what I hear you saying is that it does not apply your belief it does not apply today. Yeah, I, I think that I think that what well, what he's saying does apply, but the application is different than it would be at face value. If you were to just take this scripture and pull out this scripture out of the context, so out of the historical context and out of the biblical context that it's in, so saying like, you know, when somebody just takes a scripture and makes it mean whatever they want it to mean, if I pull that out and I do that, that then I, I'm misunderstanding what he's saying. And really, he's not saying that if you do something and say something bad against the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. 
He's saying that the only thing that can't be forgiven is when you don't accept his method of forgiveness. You know, when you turn your back on the Holy Spirit once and for all. So, and, and that doesn't mean that you had a moment of doubt or you walked away for a little while or you wandered for a bit. I've known so many people who have completely actually stopped believing in God for a, for a time and ultimately come back to the Lord, you know, and we know the character of God and that he loves and he forgives. And he said, if, if your brother forgives, you know, sins against you seven times, you know, how many times do you forgive him? You know, Jesus, Peter says, and Jesus says seven times 70, right? God forgives us more times than we can sin, you know, ultimately. And that doesn't mean that we go out and have a license to sin, but basically really what he's saying is the only thing that you can't be forgiven for is not receiving forgiveness from God. So at what point, last question, at what point would that scripture be applicable? I know it, it refers back to the time when he was dealing with it, but in yeah. the day. It would be applicable when you die. So if someone dies and, and, and up to and even in that moment they have chosen to reject God's forgiveness through, the, through Christ by the Holy Spirit, then that's that that moment is when it applies to them that they they you know they've rejected God fully and finally and there's no there's no sacrifice left for them as it says in Hebrews it, when they've trampled on the son of man there remains no sacrifice left it's it's basically he's kind of saying hey this is your one may, means of being forgiven and if you're not willing to take the one means of fee, being forgiven there's no way left for me to forgive you you know um, so it really is, it's this, it's the same as, you know, if a person comes to Jesus on their deathbed, they're still come to Jesus, right? They're still welcomed into eternity. Um, and it's kind of like when Jesus was talking about the, uh, the parable of the workers that came to work the vineyard and some of them started working the vineyard early in the morning. Right. And he said, I'll give you this much money to work for the day. And then some of them came at like 4 PM and he gave them the same amount, right? But the people that started at the beginning of the morning were like, hey, but we've been working for you all day and we got the same amount as them. And Jesus said, well, it's my money. I can give it to who I want to. Why are you complaining? You know, um, and but the people that came at the very last minute, they still received the blessing. Right. And that's that, that picture is of the kingdom of God that when even if somebody comes to Christ on their deathbed, they still are received and welcomed into heaven. Uh, it's never too late until it's too late, I guess I would say. Okay, now see, now you're saying that makes me raise another question, but sure. I don't want to take up or, or uh, uh, take up the time for somebody else with a call. So I have to call back later with my second question because that then raises another question. So I'll just hold on to that next question. And I give okay. somebody else the time. To <laughs> no, it, you're you are you are all good. You know, we've got a couple text questions. We don't have any calls yet, and so I've got a few minutes until the break. So if you got another question, I'm happy I to do. take it right now. Yeah. Because at funerals, the one thing that is commonly said is, um, and they use a scripture that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And I, I wonder whether or not that is a confusing scripture for those who pass who have not accepted the Lord before they crossed over, because it almost sounds like that everybody who passes, once they pass, that they are immediately with the Father. Yeah. That's the belief that anybody, I think an unbeliever as well as a believer, would believe that. So if their loved one did not accept Christ before they close their eyes, when that preacher says to be absent from the body, be present, 
then I'm believing that they're also believing that my loved one is present with the Lord, even yeah. though he didn't accept them. I know, and that that's, you know, uh, that's unfortunate, and that's one of those, when I do a funeral, um, I really don't, uh, I don't share that unless I know that the person was a believer, or at least, at least the family has told me that, you know, of course, you never know anyone's heart, but the, but when I've done a funeral for a non-believer, I, I really try not to give those types of false assurances because if someone hasn't put their trust in Jesus, uh, the Bible tells us that there is not another way. There, he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. That's John chapter 14, verse 6. And so you're absolutely right on that. They shouldn't, they shouldn't share that if the person wasn't a believer. Now, if the person is a believer, I actually, when I do a funeral for a person that was a believer, for me, I take a very different approach to that than I do for someone that's a non-believer. Because when that person has, um, you know, has um, put their faith in Jesus Christ, death is not the end. Death is the beginning of the best part of their life, you know. And that's where it's a celebration almost. Not that we're losing the person, but that the person is in a truly much, much, much better place, free of pain and fear and sorrow and struggle and everlasting joy with the Lord. And so I, for me, when I do a different, when I do a funeral for a believer, it's way different than when I do a funeral for a non-believer. And it's not that I sit there and say, oh, well, this person's in hell now. That's not my heart at all. But, I, but you know, at the same time, I would say, you know, if this person were here, they would want you to know that there is a way, and that way is Jesus Christ. Um, so and then use it how as, is that scripture to be interpreted? Is it, uh, okay, so is it there only for the believer? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and Paul, that's Paul the Apostle that said that. He said, you know, I desire to be to depart and to be with Christ by far. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, that is only for the believer, absolutely. Um, you know, Paul, Paul was clear about that. And so he was giving, when he was talking in that moment, he was giving a personal um, plea, saying, man, I, I you know, I, God has me here for a time, but honestly, I'd rather go back to heaven. I'd rather go to heaven and be with him, you know? <laughs> so, um, but that, that doesn't apply to someone who's not a Christian because Jesus is the only way. And so if we haven't put our, our faith in him. What you just saying, I think that's one of the errors in the Bible that makes people question the errancy of scripture. So is it not God breathed? So is this not God talking? This is, this is, this is Paul talking. So that's not what the Lord said. So that makes somebody, so what part do we believe is from the Lord and which part do we believe is from Paul? So that's Paul interpretation. So all of that, that one statement can be so confusing. Yeah, no, and it, I believe that it was inspired, God breathed from Paul, God speaking through Paul. But I think, again, when you look at that section of scripture, um, you have to look at the context of it. Um, to to be absent from the Lord is to be, body is present with the Lord. You have to look at the context um, and and Paul is talking to Christians, right? He's not talking to non-believers. Um, he's talking to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And there are other places that say very clearly um, that if we aren't believers in Jesus Christ, we have no hope of life after death. So I think the um, it, it still applies, but he's just it's it's a personal moment where he's sharing like, hey, I I want to go be with the Lord. For me to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Um, and but it, it's not that that applies to everyone in that instance. Ooh, okay, all right, all right. Oh my goodness. 
that means then that there is yet a need for even more teaching within the body of Christ so that people are able to understand this yeah. is Paul's talking based on context. Yeah. And, we, and you know, this we, is... This is the Lord telling him to say this for our benefit. Yes. And it's this is why it's so important that we study the scriptures and not just... Not just take a verse here and there and say what it says. And, you know, we're going to head here to the to the break here in just a second. But, you know, we don't just take, you know, there's one that's, that I think is a very popular scripture, uh, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You know, you've heard that one before. Well, yes, absolutely. But the context isn't saying that I can go jump off a building and fly because Christ gives me strength. You know, that's not what it's saying. It, really, the context there is talking about struggle. And it's saying, I can face any struggle that comes to me because Christ gives me the strength to do it. Uh, and so it's really important that we understand the context of Scripture uh, and understand what's what the verses that are around it are, are giving us, you know. Um, and that, that, that all of Scripture that we receive is from God, but we have to understand what it's speaking to directly. So thank you so much for your call. Stick around. If you'd like to call in with a question, you can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. We will be right back after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nate Morris from Mountain Life Calvary Chapel hosting the program today. Uh, good to be with you guys and uh, fun to be back on the program. It's been a while since I've hosted. I used to do it regularly, um, but just uh, life and ministry circumstances over the past couple of years have kind of prevented me from that, but it's a blessing to be with you today. We are taking your calls and your questions. If you'd like to call us with a question today or a prayer request, you can call us at 303 690 once again, the phone number to call is 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897 is the text line. Uh, we had a, a great conversation with Sandra right before the break, um, just talking about uh, several questions, but um, having to do with the believer's hope after death and whether we have hope after death if, if certain circumstances apply. One, one question was around the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit and what is that? And really just believing that it's the, the fully and finally denying Jesus as the Savior, attributing the work of God to the enemy essentially and saying, I don't, I, I don't buy that. Uh, the only sin that can't be forgiven is not receiving forgiveness for your sin. Um, and so... Uh, that's that's really the bottom line there. And we kind of talked about, you know, the, the hope that comes after uh, death for those who are believers and that as as that as we die, as we pass on from this world, um, that the place that we go next is eternal life, right? It's, it's hope. It's a hopeful thing. And to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
uh, for the believer. So we'd love to answer your questions, um, to chat with you today. Once again, the call-in phone number is 303-690-3000, and the number to text in is 720-336-0897. Once again, the phone number to call is 303-690-3000, and the text number is 720-336-0897. I want to take a quick look at a text message that came in. Um, from Benita in Colorado Springs. Hi, Pastor Nate. Wow, it's been a long time since you hosted. Welcome back. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, please pray for our law enforcement as they battle with the bad choices of a small majority of men and women and peace in this turbulent world we live in. Praying for you. Blessings. Awesome. Uh, thank you for your prayer, Benita. Really appreciate it. Um, definitely, we can all use it in this time right now, and especially pray for your pastors right now. There's so uh, much pressure on church leadership right now as we're making all kinds of different choices and decisions about opening up or not opening up in online services or what are we doing. Um, so keep your pastors in prayer. Uh, the enemy would love to put a stop to what the Lord is doing through this season of trial right now. And I do definitely want to pray over law enforcement um, and pray over uh, the state of race relations in our country right now. It is a really, really, really hard season. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a hard thing. I have brothers and sisters that are deeply hurt and wounded and angry myself really included because of the state of race relations in our country. It's a sad thing. At the same time, on the other side of things, I'm a police chaplain and I know I work directly with several law enforcement officers and these guys are just as broken about this as, as we are, as I am. And so it's really hard to see uh, some of the, the anger that's taken out on a whole group of people either way. And I think that the answer is in the gospel. The answer is the hope of the gospel message, right? That all men, all of us are equal. It doesn't, skin color does not apply. And that, that, that we need to be loving each other with a gospel-centered heart. And it's very challenging. So let's take a second and just pray together over our country. So Lord, we come before you. And Lord, just with the unrest that's taking place right now, we pray for your protection. We pray for your peace. We pray for your hope. Lord, I pray uh, protection over our law enforcement officers. Lord, I also pray for systemic change in our country in the midst of what's going on. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring wisdom and safety. Lord, I pray for the hurt and the heartache and the struggle that's going on right now, Lord. And I pray for resolution. And I know that it's not going to come fully and finally in this earth, Lord. We have to wait for the new heaven and the new earth, your kingdom. But Lord, we pray for improvement and we pray for hope and peace and unity, especially among the church, Lord. May the church lead the way in this issue, that we're brothers and sisters together. And so, Lord, we just ask you for healing for our land. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Awesome. Um, got another question. <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Got another question uh, that tech got texted in. It says, uh, I'm a church planner, so I'm curious about systems and structures. What sort of church polity system do you implement in your church and network? And what is your reasoning behind what you have chosen? Okay, that's a great question. A uh, bit of an unusual question for the call-in show, but that's awesome. I love it. That's great. Um, so this caller is basically asking us, uh, how do we set up our church structure as, as uh, you know, for for myself as a part of a Calvary Chapel church? 
um, or what are some different church structures? You know, I have planted a church and then I've also um, taken over leadership of a church that is a different sort of church, uh, a, a little bit, set up a little bit differently, but still Calvary Chapel. Uh, when I planted a church, we chose the Calvary Chapel model for um, church planting because for us it really was the the method that we felt was the most biblically accurate, okay? And that's going to be the big thing. If, if, if you want to have a church that's governed well, you want to be biblically accurate, right? And there are several different forms of church government. Um, some of them I disagree with. Other of the, others of them I think are still all, also biblically accurate. Uh, but, you know, my preference doesn't really matter. What matters is whether they are actually honoring the Lord in their in their government of the church. And there are some that I just flat out disagree with. The one that I really can't um, bring myself to to accept is what's called the democratic church government, De democratic church majority uh, led by a vote. Um, and the reason is we don't see any any any. Um, backing for that type of a church government in Scripture. There's no evidence of a church led by the people. Um, there, in fact, the only evidence we see of any sort of democratic type of governance was when the people of Israel chose as the people to rebel against God, and ultimately it always caused trouble, right? It always caused trouble every single time. And they would rise up and they'd cause a rebellion or they'd do something and God had to squash it every single time. For me, I can't handle and I would not personally choose to submit myself to a democratic church government where every member has a vote. I don't believe that that's the way that the Lord has set up the church. He called us to have pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets in the church as the offices. You see that in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 given for the edifying of the church, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry. There are leadership roles that are designed to lead the church, right? And so um, that really leads me to what I believe are the biblical forms of church government. And that is, you know, a church that has an eldership, um, you know, where you have a group of leaders in the church that make the big decisions together. Uh, it could be anything from a few people to a large number of people, but those elders are uh, chosen and uh, are given charge of the church body and they make decisions for the church body as a whole. That is definitely a biblical form of government. Now, the difference becomes in that eldership, how do they get nominated and how do they what's their level of control? Do, do they make decisions and tell the pastor what to do? Does the pastor make decisions and tell them what to do? That's where you kind of get into the mix. And so at Calvary Chapel, the form of government that we uh, generally subscribe to is an elder-led government, and typically it's a pastor-led church. And so what that means is that your senior pastor, your lead pastor, would basically kind of have the, the, the final say, along with the advice and the, the calling of the, uh, the elders that work alongside that pastor. Um, that's, that's the form of government that we planted our church with. And what it does is it, it, it has that person that fe has felt called by God and led by God, much like Paul the Apostle, to lead the church into the next season. Now, you need accountability, so don't get me wrong. This isn't just a one-man board and 
one man calling all the shots and running the show. There are definitely dangers in that model if you don't have it set up right. You need to have some checks and balances, but it's kind of like having a leader who makes the overall vision and sets that vision and has elders who come alongside and give advice and wisdom and encouragement. Uh, that's the, the, the board structure that we operate as. There's also other forms of government like um, the Presbyterian form where you have um, an eldership that then hires a pastor and the pastor doesn't really have any say. They submit under the eldership. Now, it's still an elder-led church, but I disagree with this model because the pastor shouldn't be a hireling. Otherwise, how do they actually care for the sheep? You know, when you look through the scriptures, a hireling is looked down upon because they don't care for the sheep. The shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And so a shepherd should have some stake in the game. Um, so that's that's kind of, you know, a little bit of an overview of that. You have different sorts of structures, too, where you have like the Episcopalian or, or like the Catholic style church government where you have a big regional government that appoints pastors or elders at each location. And then those elders have... Um, you know, influence over that specific congregation, but they're submitted to their regional leaders. That's another biblical form. Um, so there's lots of different ways to do it. The one way that I would say I do not advise under any circumstances a democratic-led congregation, and I know that there's probably people listening to me that disagree with this very strongly, because um, I have some awesome brothers and sisters who are parts of churches like that, but I just can't see that in scripture. So just me. Okay, so we have a call come in, that came in from Nicole um, in Greeley. Uh, Nicole, welcome to the program. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good, thank you. I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> no, don't don't worry about it at all. So I was the reason I was calling was because um, I was listening earlier on my way home from work, and I heard about you know that lady asking about the non-believer, you know, and then absent from the body is present with the Lord, and. Mm -hmm. I just feel like God had put this on my heart to give to her, which is Luke 23, 39 to 43. And yeah. it says, you know, and one of the male factors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds, but this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And right there to me that answers, you know, absent from the body is present with the Lord, because in my heart, you know, I believe if you did accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you accepted him, you know, and you knew that he died on that cross and you knew he was raised and he died for our sins, then you are accepted into the kingdom of heaven when you your body dies because our body is temporary, but our spirit is eternal, you know, and we have that option whether or not we want to accept God or not, whether or not we, we don't want to, you know, and at that last minute of death, you know, he didn't tell that to the other man. He told that to the man that, that rebuked him, you know. He said, today you will be in paradise with me, not to the other man, because the other man was still, you know, uh, mocking him. The other man was still telling him, you know, like, just laughing at him, basically, you know? And that's what, like, the Lord is trying to say is, you know, yeah, when we die, our spirit goes into heaven with him. Like, we are absent from the body and present with him. And he said it right there the day that he was hung on that cross, you know, next to that person that wanted to be saved by him, that knew, you know? Yeah, so absolutely. God needed her to hear that, you know, to, to understand what she's trying to say. 
you know, yeah. absent from the body because his Holy Spirit gave that to Paul to speak that to us, to let us know. Right. You know, it's not just for him, it's for all of us. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, the, um, I think that's a great, that's a great word. Absolutely. To share that with her. And that's a great illustration of both sides of what she was talking about, actually, because when you're, you're talking about the thief on the cross, right. And he is hanging there. And in that last moment, his final moments of life, he puts his faith in Jesus Christ and he's saved. But on the other side, the other thief on the cross in his final moments of life says, makes a mockery of Jesus, right? He mocks him and makes fun of him. And Jesus didn't say that he would be with him in paradise, right? So there's, there's two sides. It's, it's, and we have a choice, you know, and that's, that's really what all of those verses are saying is that we have a choice to believe or to reject. And the thief on the cross who put his trust in Jesus, absolutely. The moment that he died, he was with Christ in paradise. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a, really important to understand that it's as simple as faith in Jesus and that we will be saved. In fact, there's another text question that came in that, that someone was asking about, you know, um, I, how will I know that I'm saved? I know I believe it and I've been taught it my whole life, but I still doubt that I'm going to be saved. And, you know, when we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9, uh, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart and you will be saved. That's what's going to happen. And so um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think the thief on a cross is a great illustration of that. So, you know, we can have full assurance that we will be saved if we put our trust in Jesus, if we believe in him in our heart and confess with our mouth. We can have full assurance that we'll be saved. There's nothing that can snatch you from his hand. But on the flip side, if we choose, like the other thief, to mock Jesus and to say, I don't want that and I don't believe in that, that there is nothing left that can save us, that we, we rejected the one thing. So, um, yeah, thank you for that. I appreciate your call, Esther, and uh, not Esther, Nicole, sorry. And... Um, Absolutely, as a good, good word from the Lord. That the scripture she referenced was from Luke chapter twenty-three, and so um, if you're still listening, um, you can go back and look that up yourself. Luke chapter twenty-three. All right, I want to take a second and uh, go to Esther from Colorado Springs. Esther, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Um, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you. Awesome. Um. My husband, um, I had called in a couple of weeks ago and requested prayer for myself because he had passed away in April. But I have an opportunity. This is a prayer request okay. and a praise. I have an opportunity to move in with a friend of mine mm -hmm. and to split rent on an apartment. Okay. And the lady said that she was going to call us back, or me back, I should say, in the morning and let me know how soon there would be some availability. In the meantime, I'm sitting here spending down my stimulus check. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was odd because just this morning, I felt like I was inspired to really um, pray about moving in with her and the two of us finding a, a different place altogether to move into. Okay. And so I just want to pray that if it's the Lord's will, that it would work out. There are certain circumstances where it would make it just a really big blessing for both of us. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's definitely let's come before the Lord together and ask him. And, you know, here's here's the the cool thing is that in James, it says that that if we are needing wisdom, that we can ask and we can know that he will give it to us abundantly. We can have wisdom whenever we ask for it and we can know that he'll give it to us. And so we want to pray for some doors to open for you, for God to lead you. And we'll pray for some wisdom from, from, from God just to show you the right path. And then I think when you do what it says in Proverbs, you know, that if you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him, he will direct your path and he'll lead you right into it. So let's pray together right now, Esther. Lord, we come before you and we lift up Esther to you, Lord. And as she's um, just seeking direction for this next season of life, Lord, possibly moving in with this roommate and saving money, but then also uh, that what that looks like in this next season, Lord, I pray that you would give her wisdom and direction and clarity. I pray that you would show her what you uh, want for her, Lord. I pray that you would open doors. I pray that you would provide abundantly for her. Um, we know that you can, Lord, and we ask that you would. And I just pray that you would uh, just speak very clearly, Lord, and we do. We just cling to that promise that you've said um, that if we ask for wisdom, you would give it. And so would you do that right now? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. You have a great day, Esther. Thanks for calling. Yes, you too. God bless. All right. Cool. We've got a couple more text questions that have come in. We've got all open lines, though, so I probably have one time for one more caller. If you'd like to call in, now's a great time to do that. You can call us at 303-690-3000. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000. Would love to chat with you for a few minutes today. Probably have time for one, maybe two more callers, depending on how quick the questions are. Once again, that phone number is 303-690-3000 to call, or you can text us at 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897, or call 303-690-3000. Okay, I'm going to take a couple of these text questions. Uh, one of them was a prayer request um, for... Um, someone that says um, they are a, pres a parent of an addict son. I've prayed, begged. I feel like God just isn't hearing me. Why isn't he helping my child? I just feel lost. I pray every day. Please also pray for my son and my family as we go through this. Um, definitely want to pray. So let's come before the Lord and pray right now. Lord, we just lift up um, this person to you right now. We pray first for this parent, Lord, that's just longing for their son. And much the same way, Lord, that I think you probably look down on this world and you long for the people who have wandered from you and strayed from you, Lord. Just like the prodigal son, the prodigal father, Lord, in that story. And so, Lord, we pray right now that you would work miraculously in this person's life, Lord, that you would speak to them, that he would turn his life over to you, Lord, that he would recognize that he needs you, that the addiction that he's clinging to is not bringing him life, Lord, it's taking it from him. And so would you step in and intervene? And Lord, we know that you have plans and purposes and that you work all things for good, Lord. But in this type of situation, it's so hard to see. So we ask for your peace for the family, Lord, that you would show them your love for them and for their son. And would you move in this situation in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, let's take a quick look here. Okay, so once again, if you'd like to call, last chance for calling, probably 
3000 if you'd like to call with a question. I'm going to take a look at a couple text questions here um, and kind of just answer some of these for it. Let's take a look here. What happens when with babies when pregnant women get raptured? Are they born and walk as a child in heaven? Okay, so this, um, you know, when I when I look at the issue of babies dying before um, before they have a chance to live, uh, you know, we think of abortion, we think of um, miscarriage. Uh, this is an interesting question. I've never actually thought about this one before, but a baby of a pregnant woman getting raptured. Um, you know, we, we, we believe that life begins at conception, that God created that life. I also believe that God uh, sees children, and there is what I would believe is a certain age of accountability before the Lord. And, you know, when David lost a son, um, he said, I can't go to him. I mean, I, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. He knew, he had assurance that his child was with the Lord and that he would see him one day. And I believe that we have that same assurance um, in that sense. And so, you know, in this type of instance, I think that that, that probably the child would go with the mother in a sense, you know, I, I don't know. There's not a clear scripture on that, that we can reference that says, this is what will happen. Um, but you know, it, it's, it's not, um, something that's super clear, but I think when you know the heart of God and we know the reality of, um, babies and children before they have the ability to really make choices and decisions, um, I, I really believe that those children are in heaven with us. And um, I think that that's something that, that God is the, in the character of God, right? Okay, here's another question that came in. Um, and if you want to text in a question to us just to kind of round out the program, you can totally do that today. You can text us at 720-336-0897, 720-336-0897, or call 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Would love to chat with you for just a minute. But this last question that I see that came in here is, uh, I need help finding out what God wants me to do as a job and with my life because I keep hitting roadblocks. And, you know, I think many of us can identify with that. We've all faced situations like that before. Um, sometimes it feels like you're beating your head against a wall, um, trying to do something and it's not working and it's not getting anywhere. And, you know, I think that when we are going through seasons like that, there's, there's two things. I think that, that one, you know, just because things get hard doesn't mean you don't keep trying, right? Sometimes I think you want to look and stop and examine and say, okay, well, you know, what, what is going on? Is God trying to show me something here? Is God trying to, to, to lead me in a different way? But it doesn't mean you just stop, right? So sometimes pressing through is exactly what you need to do. Um, and I think the other thing that, like I answered the last caller with, was that, you know, when we seek the Lord and we ask him for wisdom and he promises, well, he'll give it to you. He says that he will do it in James chapter one, verse five. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all men liberally and he will give it to you. He'll give it to you. He will give you wisdom. And so for you, as you're questioning and you're unsure of what the Lord would have for you in this next season. And as you're having a hard time finding work, one, know that God will provide for you. Matthew chapter six, he will provide for your every need. Maybe not your every want, but your every need. But two, 
he will give you wisdom as you seek him for where to go and what to do next and he will provide for you in your every need so if you'd like to um, to really know what that is I, I would just start by praying with that prayer and ask for wisdom and so I'm going to take a second and do that for you right now and so Lord I pray for this person who texted in Lord who's just looking for wisdom who needs to know what you would have them do for a job I pray that you would make it super clear I pray that you would open um, you know, doors, Lord. I pray that you would provide for them. I pray that you would provide them with work. I pray that you would provide them with direction. And I pray that you would bring clarity and wisdom to them, Lord. We know that this is a promise that you give us. And we, Lord, we know, you know, from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, that if we trust in you with all of our heart, and we choose not to lean on our own understanding, but we acknowledge you in all of our ways that you will direct our paths. We can trust that, Lord. That's a promise. And so I pray for this brother or sister who texted in, Lord, and just ask that you would give that to them, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them direction, that they would submit their plans to you and trust that you are going to bring good fruit and good things through that, Lord. And that even if it means going through a time of hardship, Lord, that you're going to bring good through that as well, Lord. You've promised that you're working all things together for good to those who love you and are called according to your good purpose. So I just pray that you would reveal that. I pray that you would speak and you would draw this person um, to yourself and reveal your will and your timing, Lord. And so we trust you. Choose to trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, it's been so fun being with you today. So glad to be able to spend some time with you. Um, a couple of things that I want to let you know about. One is our church, Mountain Life Calvary Chapel, uh, just released our new worship album. Um, and it's a live recording. And I have to tell you, I, yes, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but it's amazing. So many good songs. You can Google Mountain Life Worship, Mountain Life Worship. It's on Apple, it's on Spotify, it's on all of those streaming platforms, and I really believe you'll be blessed by the, the worship on there. I also have a little mini message I have on there about giving the Lord control. The album is New Day by Mountain Life Worship, so check that out. Mountain Life Worship, New Day. Would love to have you check that out. You can also tune in to our church services online, mountainlife.church. Um, would love to have you join us on Sundays. But either way, we're blessed to have spent time with you today. Hope you have a great day. God bless you guys and go in the power of the Holy Spirit and trust that God is going to lead you. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us for Calvary Live. And we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.